Oh, Heavenly Father, we come in that powerful name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And Father, as we bow before you, Lord, we ask that you would just see our hearts. Lord, we know that you'll see our hearts. And Father, we pray that you will come among your people today. Open our hearts to hear from you. Teach us, grow us. And we thank you, Father, for that powerful name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you might allow us to to have the hope, a hope that is real, a living hope that is sure. Father, that we might have that hope in Jesus. Father, because there's nothing like having that peace and having that assurance of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Lord, you tell us in your word, there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. Father, it's that name of Jesus. So we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for this technology of streaming. And I ask God that you would teach us now as we open your word together. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I, uh, I have a few folks here, but the, the praise team this morning and some of the sound booth folks. And, but it's, it's always good to be here up and talking with you. I'm nervous this morning. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just trying, just praying that God would just calm me down. But there's many watching and streaming, and I, I praise the Lord for each and every one of you. But I want to welcome everybody this morning. Our hope is in the Lord. That's what we're going to be talking about. Our hope is in the Lord. You know, so many times we put our hope in the many various things, but God is the place. He is the one. He is the, he is the one that we put our hope in, and we must put our hope in the Lord. We're glad you're joined with us this morning, and I'm going to be speaking this morning about hope and some reasons why we can hope in Christ and I guess the question to ask you is, do you have a firm hope today? In the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of the things that has transpired in the world, that uh, you're seeing on television, do you have a hope that is firm? See, we're living in unprecedented times. We have never had a crisis of this magnitude like we're experiencing today. The President of the United States, he declared a national emergency. The World Health Organization declared a coronavirus, COVID-19, he declared, they, they declared it a, a global pandemic. Here in Pennsylvania, we're seeing our state being affected, just as other governors are across this country are taking various actions, fighting, fighting the spread of the coronavirus. As a Christian, as a pastor, let me express to you the importance of placing your hope in the Lord. And also, we're going to see and be reminded of some essential truths that we must hold to in times like these. And when we place our hope in the Lord, and we hold to some essential truths that we know to be absolutely true, unswervingly true, your hope is going to soar, soar like eagles. At the very end of World War II, an American submarine was returning to its home port of Newport News, Virginia, to, to dock at Newport News. 
As it came into port, something terrible went wrong with the hatch mechanism. And it began to sink in the harbor. As it began to sink, they immediately dispatched the Coast Guard to go and, and to try to figure out what was going on and to save the crew. Well, they dispatched divers who had dived down to the hull of the submarine, and they were trying to figure out what went wrong with this hatches. And as the divers swam around the sub, they could hear tapping on the hull. A sailor inside, he was terrified of being trapped and perhaps drowning at the very bottom of the sea. And he found a hammer, and he started tapping out Morse code on the inside of the hull. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, 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 tap. And he started tapping us out. And they listened and they carefully, as a sailor, they knew Morse code is. And then they heard some more tapping. And then they heard the word there. And they heard some more tapping as the letters were tapped out. And the third word was hope. Is there hope? That's one of the fundamental questions of life that we have to ask ourselves today. Is life worth living? Is there hope? Can I count on anything in life? The phrase, is there hope, is asked by thousands and thousands and thousands of people across this world pretty much every day. Digging through the debris of an earthquake, family members digging for their children are asking, is there hope? Maybe you're sitting in the doctor's office waiting tests to come back, speaking with your doctor, and you hear that question, is, is there hope? Or maybe you'll be standing by the bedside, bedside of a loved one that just has gone through some surgery, and, and you hear the question, is there hope? Perhaps you were a couple that was going through marriage counseling for many, many months. And so you start to ask the marriage counselor, is there hope? See, when a couple or a family hears that their child is missing, they might, you ask that question, is there hope? And even today, when lives of millions of people in a pandemic that is affecting individuals and families and lives around the globe, you hear that very same question, is there hope? Let me give you the word of God tells us in Romans chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 15, and it's found in verse 13. Let me read the verse. We're going to talk about this verse a little bit. It's also on the overhead that you can follow it. But may the God of hope, the God of hope, he is the source of our hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. We need hope today. The God of peace will infuse our lives with hope as we trust in him. And yet we see the media flaming the fl the, uh, fanning the flames. And we also see politicians truly posturing for greater advantage. We see long lines in grocery stores and then to find empty shelves. My friends, we're living in unprecedented times, but I want to remind you that God is a God of hope. He is still on the throne. He is absolutely sovereign and in control. He tells us in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. 
my shepherd. In fact, if you read Psalm 23, you'll find 17 personal pronouns. How David made an application to himself, 17 personal pronouns he used. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. But notice he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Oh, yeah, even though it happened to King David, it happens to each of us, even though I walk through the valley, those valleys are real. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, right now, the, the valley that we're walking through is real. It's a shadow of death. The coronavirus is deadly to some people. In fact, I even heard, I believe it was this morning or late last night, that they're saying maybe perhaps less than 1% of the people may experience the shadow of death. The coronavirus is deadly to some. Most people that gets it will just have mild reactions. But we do know that this virus will not last. We're walking through that valley. And we're going to get through that valley. In the days and the weeks ahead, you're going to hear different things. But be cautious of believing everything that you hear. We're going to get through this and your faith is going to grow. Your hope will become greater. Your joy and your peace will start to flood your life like you've never flooded before. See, as we go through life, as we're experiencing this coronavirus today... Each of us are confronted with a fear. We can either, either fear or faith. Fear or faith, and we choose what we're going to feed. Very easy to feed the fears of our lives. But I choose to feed my faith in Almighty God. That's living in hope. That's having trust. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, this says, our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. A powerful verse. The Lord tells us our hope is firm. And the reason our hope is firm is because we know. What do we know? We know what we know is what gets us through. What we know is what gets us through life. What we know is truth, and we allow that truth to teach us, to grow us, to minister in our lives. See, what we know gives us hope, and what we know gets us through. Whatever crisis we're in, because this is very important, and we need to remember the things we know that are accurate. And the things that we know are true because we need to be reminded of this. So I want to give you some things this morning that, to remember during these times because we need to find that joy and that peace that's found in Christ. And, and as we find that, it'll give you confidence. It'll give you courage. It'll bring peace into your life. See, our hope is firm because we know. 
There's seven things to remember, seven things to know. And the first one is remember not everything that I hear is true. Not everything I hear is true. And I, I might say this too, and I say it sometimes here at church, not everything we think is true. And you know that. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15, it says, A simple man, that word simple means foolish man. It means a gullible man, a simple man, a foolish man, a gullible man, believes anything. But a prudent man, a wise man, a sensible man, a cautious man gives thought to his steps. He weighs his words and he acts out on facts. He gets his facts straight. Not everybody who speaks on the Internet or on social media or on television or on the radio knows what they're talking about. But they think they do. And not everybody who's talking about this crisis is really worth listening to. We've got to be selective. Not everybody knows what they're talking about because there are many pundits today. They have their own agenda pushing their own political advantage or blaming others or pushing theories to score uh, one advantage over another person. But often we see their hatred is real and God says, don't be gullible. Remember, not everything I hear is true in this world. Proverbs 13, 16 says, every prudent, every wise, every sensible or cautious man acts out of knowledge. But a fool exposes his folly. See, the prudent man acts out of knowledge. He is wise in his decisions. He is wise in the things he, he gets his facts straight and he acts correctly. In other words, don't base your life upon fallacies and false reports. Don't base your life on fear. Don't base your life on feelings because they will come and go. Or don't base your life on the onslaught of fake news that you see all over, what's true, what's not true. Base your thinking and build your life upon fact. Feelings will come and go. They're unreliable, and fear will inflame us into panic. Remember, not everything I hear is true. Proverbs 18.2, God tells us this, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding. I understand. That's facts. That's truth. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. And so often that's what it is. God is telling us believers to be careful of who you listen to. Be careful of inflaming things and be careful on the things that are transpiring in our world today. See, face your life upon facts and upon fiction. Not everything you hear is true. We should be people of faith, but also people of facts. Worry, worry is a big thing. The Lord talks a lot in Scripture about worry, and in fact, studies have shown that 85% of everything that we worry about never happens. 85%, that's a huge percentage. But yet we can camp out in that 85% bracket and just worry about every little scenario that may our brain starts to think about. We see something on TV and we start worrying about it. That means that we only have to depend on the Lord for 15% of the things that we're going through, the things that's actually going to happen. That's where you trust Him, that you depend on Him. See, 
I, I love the Lord Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. We sang about Jesus. What a wonderful name. What, I mean, Jesus is an amazing person that came into this world. And in fact, uh, over 70 times in the Gospels, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over 70 times we read the words, the phrase from Jesus. He says, I tell you the truth. He doesn't tell you something that's fake or false. He doesn't try to inflame fears. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. And I love it when Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Don't be bound in bondage of all the things that's going on and be free. You know, that's that hope. God, God is the source of all hope, and that hope will come into our lives. When, when we are trusting in the Lord, our hope is going to soar, and we're going to have peace, and we're going to have joy. It's because we are trusting in Him. We're believing in Him. So number one, remember not everything you hear is true. Number two is remember not everyone is at equal risk. The facts are very clear. The history of the coronavirus, the most vulnerable people are the people that's 60 years of age or over. It's not children. It's those 60 years of age or over. And also, it adds in there with pre-existing conditions. Those pre-existing conditions weakens the immunity system, and we start to see those that had diabetes or heart disease or cancer or liver problems to be careful, to take special precautions. I'm over 60, and I'm trying to be careful, trying to keep that six-foot rule around me. It's important. You need to self-quarantine, stay home. Most experts say that the COVID-19 is uh, very contagious. It's so contagious that, you know, you can have it, and some many people don't even have the symptoms, but yet you still have it. And it could still be spread. And that's one of the reasons they're trying to knock down this bell curve. In fact, uh, it's, it's very, uh, it's much more contagious than the flu bug. The novel, novel pri uh, virus, it means that there's no, humans have no prior immunity to it. And we also have no vaccine for it. The last few days, there's been some good reports coming across the the, the entrusted sources that talks about promising treatment from a malaria drug, and, and it does still look very promising. They're starting to use it in many cases. So remember, not everything you hear is true, and remember, not everyone is at equal risk, but thirdly is remember that this too will pass. The corona outbreak will pass. We're going through this, and it's not going to last you need to trust God's goodness. Do the things your leaders and doctors tell you to do because every virus has that bell curve and the government is trying to knock that peak down so it doesn't overwhelm the system. And they're doing it primarily through isolation and quarantine and, and through testing. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, God lays it out. He said, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. The Bible says in this world you're going to have trouble, you're going to have tribulation, but don't be surprised, don't be shocked. Have you ever wondered why there is sickness today and 
all this stuff that we see going around today in this world. And the reason why is because of sin and evil came into this world. Into this world and since then nothing works perfectly. Everything on this planet is broken. Lives are broken. Marriages become broken. Our plans that we try to work through life are broken. We see so many things. Economy. How about our bodies? We get sick. We grow old. We start to have problems and we're broken. And so many times as we live out our life on this earth, we look around us and we just scratch our heads and we just see that this world is spinning sometimes and, and the world is searching for answers and they really don't have very many good solid answers. See, sin broke everything on this planet. When we rebelled against God and we disobeyed Him, all of nature fell. We live in a fallen world. We don't act the way that God wants us to act. We don't talk the way God wants us to talk. Or we don't relate the way God wants us to relate. And, you know, viruses take off. And this takes, uh, sickness happens and accidents transpires. And, and what happens is we find ourselves living a life of guilt and pain and struggle and worry and stress and unforgiveness. Living without hope in a hopeless world, as the world spins, we seek answers. Isaiah talks a little bit about this in Isaiah 24, verse 5. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws. They have violated the statutes. They have broken the everlasting covenant. Everything is lost and abandoned and confused. And nature itself is groaning. The environment is groaning. Why? But it's all because of sin. It's real. You might say, well, why does God allow this? Why does he allow sin and evil in this world? And I guess the, the simplest answer is because God made us in his image. And he gave us the ability to choose. We have a free will. See, the earth and everything on this earth has fallen. But we have that ability. The Lord's Prayer, God tells us, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This earth is where we live. This earth that we see is filled with all the turmoil and things. It is not heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. A place with no sorrow or sickness or sadness. A place where there is no stress or coronavirus. The humans, we experience this brokenness. We experience this pain. We experience this hurt and anxiety and disease because of our fallen nature. And this is the reason, this is the reason God sent his son into this world. To give his life to pay the penalty for my sin. 2 Corinthians 4.17, God tells us, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For what we see is temporary. The things, the cars, the mountains, the trees, the birds, uh, you know, everything is temporary around us. But what is unseen is eternal. That's our hope in Christ. 
See, remember, not everything you hear is true. And remember, not everyone is at equal risk. And remember that this will pass. And then fourthly is remember to focus. Focus on what is unchanging. This fourth truth will give you that joy. It will give you that peace. It will give you that hope. It will give you that confidence. It will give you stability in your life as you start to focus, start to see and look beyond. Look at the things that are unchanging rather than the things that are changing. The world is, as the world spins, we must focus on what is unchanging. Remember, in the days ahead before this crisis starts to strike, we've got to understand there's going to be changes that will happen. What's changing? Everything. So many things, the way we stream, the way we do church, everything changing, but focus on the things that are unchanging. There's a lot of changes in the days ahead. Don't focus your life on everything that is changing around you and just sort of like running crazy. Start to look at the things that are invisible, the things that are unchanging. See, life, life itself really is all about change. Nothing ever stays the same. You look at the changes that happened after Katrina. Some of you remember right around here the changes that happened in Wyoming Valley in northeastern Pennsylvania after Hurricane Agnes. And I'm sure you, many of you remember the changes that happened after 9-11. There will be changes that happen in the world and in every country. And when those changes happen, focus on that which never changes. In the days ahead, as you focus on those things that are changeless, you will have stability and peace. So if you focus on the things that change, I'll tell you what, I'll guarantee you something. You'll be driven crazy. <laughs> because it would be a new thing this day, a new thing that day. And, you, you know, sometimes it's best just to shut everything off <laughs> and put on some worship music and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Get a clear head. There's seven unchangeable truths that I believe, and I put them on the screen. I'm not, sorry if you can't read them at home. I'm going to read through them. I'm going to go quickly, but unchangeable truths that we must get, that we must start to understand. Number one is God sees everything I'm going through. God sees it all. He's absolutely sovereign. He's in control. He sees everything that I'm going through. Not only does he see exactly the situation that you're in, but he also cares about everything I'm going through. He cares for you. And, and he knows and he cares. And then thirdly is God has power to change what I'm going through. God has the power. He has authority. If he could create the world, if he could part the sea, if he could send manna from heaven... If he can resurrect Jesus from the dead, <laughs> he has power to change what we're going through. Number four, unchangeable truth, God always acts out of his goodness to me. It never changes. It never changes. He always acts out of his goodness to me. He's not a big bully upstairs, up in the sky somewhere, some abstract place that he's just up there going to hammer us. God acts out of his goodness because God is a good God. Never, ever cease to remember that. 
Number five is God's plan is better than my plan. He knows the end from the beginning. He sees the future. He knows exactly what's going on. His plan is better than mine. Number six, God will never stop loving me. Settle it. God is infinite in all of his attributes, and his attribute is love, one of his uh, tremendous virtues, love. But God incredibly loves me. The Lord tells us he loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us. He loves you exactly where you are. But you must understand it. These are unchanging truths that you got to put in your heart and your mind. Another big one, as far as Christians are concerned, as believers, I cannot lose my salvation once I trust Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6, being confident, Paul said, being confident of this, he, God, who begins a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, you don't, you know, you don't get lost. You don't get saved and then you get lost. You don't come to faith in Christ and start to believe and walk with him and all of a sudden he lets you go. Oh, my friends, he adopts us into his family. Our, you know, our sins is removed as far as east from the west be remembered no more. Our, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. On and on. There's so much truth here. I love 1 John chapter 5. It says that these things have are written unto you. The, the book, the God's word, the, the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus, I tell you the truth. These things have I written unto you that you may know, there that is again, know that you have eternal life, that you know you have eternal life. I cannot lose my salvation. So remember, not everything you hear is true, and remember, not everyone is at equal risk. Remember, this will pass. Remember to focus on what is unchanging. Number five is remember, no matter what I go through, God will go through it with me. God will go through it with me. Every stage of your life, every crisis that comes into your life, no matter what it is, God will go through it with me. Some of you are facing major surgery. God will go with you. Some of you are battling cancer right now. In the middle of it all, God will go with you. He'll go right through the, that trial, that storm. The coronavirus, God is right there with you. Have that confidence, have that hope, have that, that hope in the Lord. That's why it's so important. I'm reminded of the footprints in the sand and the footprints of the sand, the famous painting, and you see the two sets of footprints and, and all of a sudden the person, the caption says, Lord, you're walking right there with me, but every time it gets really tough and really hard, all of a sudden there's only one set of footprints in the sand. How come you leave me every time it gets tough? And then the Lord replies, my son, I'm not leaving you. I'm, I'm carrying you. <laughs> That's what he does. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. God tells his children over in Isaiah 43, he says, but now this is what the Lord said, he who created you, he who formed you. This is what God Almighty says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
So remember, whatever you're facing, whatever trial is in your life, because the coronavirus is one thing, but you have other things. We all do. Other things that's on your plate. Whatever it is, God says, no matter what it is, I'll go with you through them. See, that's what you focus on. Maybe a little less internet or a little less television or a little less news or the negative or the panic. Maybe a little more listening to God, a little more worshiping to God, the Lord God, the creator of this universe. And this will give you confidence. This will give you joy and that peace in the midst of the unstable world. So you connect with God in prayer, connect with God in worship. Those are sweet things, good things. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to help you during these times. And God gives us that promise. And then number six is remember, this is not the end of the story. In all the things that is happening today, this is not the end of the story. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, we read, we are hard-pressed on every side. Hard-pressed. Some of you really feel hard-pressed, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. And then in verse 14, we see it again, those words, because we know these truths. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. So we know that the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is going to raise us up too. Those who believe in Christ is unbelievable. What's going to transpire? These things that's happening in the world today, I believe, are signs that Jesus is coming again. See, this is not the end of the story. We can live in hope. In the midst of this crisis, you can you, start to change your focus. In the midst of the things that's going on, change and, and shift your perspective and start to live in light of eternity. We're going to be resurrected up. We're going to step into glory someday. Remember, this is not the end of the story. One day, all of our pain, all of our sickness, one day, all of our sorrow, all of our sadness, all of our stress and the guilt and sin, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. It's all going to end. God knows the future. Sees it crystal clear. In fact, he tells us that what will happen in the days to come in his word. On Wednesday evening, I'm teaching through the book of Daniel, where we will be in chapter 3 of Daniel, if you want to do a, a read through chapter 3. But Wednesday night at 6.30, I live stream from my house. As Christians, we know what God reveals to us about the future. And we have that living hope, that hope in Christ. See, the, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, so beautifully, it's a prophetic book and it just teaches us about what's going to transpire. I love the book of Revelation, especially at the very end of the book, chapter 21. Verse 4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. See, what we're going through right now is not the end of the story. 
And don't forget that. There's so much more we could talk about. And so I, I encourage you to, to open your book, the book, God's book, the Bible, and read it. It's very important. We don't know exactly what the future holds, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we do know who holds the future. Amen? And then lastly, remember that God wants to use me to help others. God doesn't take us through a crisis just for the sake of going through the crisis. Over in James it says, count it all joy when you fall into those various trials because those trials will test your faith. Those trials will grow your faith. I know for sure there's many individuals that's watching this right now that your faith is being tested. But live in that hope of Christ. Know him, have peace that passes all understanding. God wants to use you and he wants to use me to minister to other people. And I believe as your pastor that we are on the very verge of a tremendous spiritual awakening in America. Unprecedented times, unprecedented times are going to bring unprecedented opportunities. And I'm seeing it. You know, we are a church of 500 people every Sunday, and, but now we're reaching in the thousands. See, God is working and God's going to expand the ministry. God's going to expand the word of God and it'll go forth in greater and greater ways. God wants to use you. God wants to use me, all of us, collectively together. I told Kathy this morning, you know, we should start calling. Just call, you know, maybe two people a day or maybe five people a day, whatever. But just call people and just start to talk. I, I received some phone calls this, yesterday. You know, people just talk and just encourage and just connecting. And so reach out like that. That's important. Especially in this time of, that, of crisis that we're living, that, that we separate ourselves. And all of a sudden, you know, you're home quarantined. And, you know, driving here this morning, there was hardly any cars on the road. I remember, I remember when airplanes flew into the World Trade Center up in New York City. And the Sunday following that, and for many Sundays afterwards, normally in Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, the freeways and the interstates were empty. No one was traveling. But after 9-11, the interstates and the freeways were filled, just packed with cars because on a Sunday, because everyone was going to church that Sunday. God was waking the world up. He shocked our world then. God is shocking our world right now to maybe get us off dead center, get us focusing more on the eternal unseen things, on the things that will never change, rather than all the changeable everything out there that feeds the panic and the fear. I say it often, life is short. Eternity is long. And we've got to get it right. Because all of us are mortal. All of us will someday step into eternity. Do you know where you're going? Have your sins been forgiven? And that was the greatest love story, I guess, that God has ever given to mankind. If you can whittle them all down, this is it. And it's the one verse that we probably, many of us have learned as children. But it's John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. There's that love, that agape love. He never will cease loving you. God so loved the world that he gave he demonstrated that love by giving his son. He sent his son into the world in the most unique way. Predicted hundreds of times he came. 
light came into dark, the dark world, and men loved darkness rather than light. And you know the story, they crucified him. He was buried, but three days later, he rose again from the dead. We have, we have hope as Christians. We have hope because of Jesus. We have hope, and, 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 and you know, you look at everything is waking up. I, the other night, Kathy, Kathy, I said, Kathy, maybe you'll hear him now. She opened the door up, and we have, a, we have an acre pond. We have seven acres here, and oh, she was so thrilled to death. She's hearing the peepers. <laughs> the peepers are crying. The peepers are... And then she said, well, we got, they got to freeze out three times. Well, last night they froze out. It was 22 degrees this morning, so it was cold. So they froze out last night, so they're going to come back. Once they, they, they come back three times, you're good to go for the summer. But we have hope. Things are waking up, waking up and flowers are growing. Everything is starting to change. As a church family, we have so much to look forward to. So much is happening. When this all struck, we were bringing 30-some people into membership here at Cross Creek. We had a, a good group of people who are going to be being baptized. We have Easter coming up. We, we're going to have a baby dedication coming up. It's good stuff. It's going to happen. I'm praying that God is going to give us a tremendous Easter service right here at our, our, right in our sanctuary. That this all the band and all this quarantine might be lifted even. I don't know. But I do know <laughs> I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's him and him alone that we can trust. Over in, 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 in 3 John 1, 2, it says, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul, your soul is getting along well. Keeping the spiritual side of good and healthy is so critically important in this world that we live. Keeping that spiritual side, but also that our physical health will be good and everything will be going well with us. See, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. People in our community will know that we love Jesus. Why? Because we love them. Because we're making a difference in their lives, in our community. John 13, 35, by this will all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. See, <laughs> that love, we can love because God is love. God is Hope. He's the source of our hope, source of our love. I'm going to close with the very last verse that I began with. The last verse on the outline is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. It's a good verse, maybe to memorize. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's something that you do. God can lay it all out, but it's up to you. A choice that we make, are you going to trust in him? And when you do, we see the promise that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a promise. Do you know God's word, he lays out to us over 8,000 promises in his word. That's, that's pretty powerful. Trust him. God is in control. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for being our God. We thank you, Father, for the hope that is found in you. And Father, we thank you for the joy and the peace that you give to us and how our hope starts to overflow as we trust in Jesus, as we believe in him, as we turn our lives to him. And yet, Father, you tell us, who shall I fear? 
We are fearing so many things in this world. Lord, help us to replace our fear with faith because our hope is in the Lord. The angel armies of heaven is at his command. There's multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of scriptures. There's hundreds of millions of angels that you created. And they surround your throne and around your glory. And they, they minister even here on this earth. Father, we thank you for your power. Help us to look at the eternal and rather than the, the temporal. Keep our focus on you. Help our trust to be in Jesus. If you're watching and you have never trusted Jesus, would you just pray this prayer? Oh, God, forgive me. Come into my life. I want this hope. I want to believe. Help my unbelief. I want to trust Jesus. Thank you that you love me enough to send him into this world. He gave his life in payment for my sin. But I need to receive him. So, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me and cleanse me. Make me a brand new person in Jesus. And Father, we pray that you might infuse your hope in all of us, that we might see you in a way we've never seen you before. God, that you might use this trials and tribulations and all this turmoil in this world to draw us to yourself. Help us have this hope in the Lord. Father God, that we would overflow, that we would start just to bubble up in joy and bubble up in peace and bubble up in praise and worship of you because you're the worthy of all of our praise. Continue to teach us. Be with those that are home that are struggling, Father. Be with those that are suffering illnesses and flu bugs and, and even the coronavirus itself. God, I ask for your strength to heal touch their bodies, bring them back to good health again. Father, for the medical profession, we lift them to you, Lord, as they are in this very hard place. Help them, encourage their hearts. And Father, I pray even for the scientists that their cure will be found and, and Father, be, be able to be brought to the masses of the people on this earth. God, use this coronavirus, this world for Jesus. Help us, Father, each of us, to make a difference, to tell others, to share others, to share our faith, to, to text people, to make phone calls, whatever we need to do, God, that you lay it upon our hearts to make a difference in this world. Allow us to express the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. Father, be with our leaders in Congress and the White House. God, that you would just allow them to make wise decisions. And we thank you. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Help us to trust you. No matter what goes on, Father, you are an absolutely sovereign, almighty God that has the best for all of us. So teach us and grow us. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's children said, amen.